when we have the right attitude as Matthew, or as in, uh, we'll say in Matthew's Sermon on the Mount, or here in Luke's Sermon on the Mount, when they bring that forth, uh, this blessing, it's, it's having the right attitude to be able to go to them to be able to do these things, these actions, having the right speech, and even praying for them who hate you, hate the church, hate Jesus. Boy, that's, it's radically different from what Jesus says to pray for those people who are enemies of God, really, is what they are. The culture's view, much of the culture in this country we live in is antagonistic against God and against His people and against their views. Our views are based upon righteousness and the Word of God, I would trust, right? That's a, that's a tough love, isn't it? Isn't that kind of a radical love? It's not what we feel like doing, and this is not what we're asking about. If you don't feel like it, you have to still do it. And I know you're going to say, well, that's being hypocritical. I'm just going to do whatever I feel and let it be. No, no, no. You cannot get away with that. Because there are a lot of things we don't feel like doing, but we have to do them anyway. And every day we do that. We have to do the things that you know might really like your job or whatever you have to do around the house or whatever it is, but sometimes you just like to lay there and not do anything. This is what I feel like doing. What do you do? You take action and you do it anyway, even though you don't feel like it. Uh, well, you don't show up and say, hey boss, I just don't feel like coming in today. And then you do that for another day and another day and you're out of there. I don't feel like it. Okay, I got you. You're gone. <laughs> so, you know, you, you act upon not your feelings, but what you know to be right. That's a problem we have. We act upon our feelings. When we act upon our feelings, we say things, we do things, we don't pray the way that we pray. I mean, we just do, we're, we're absolutely out of the will of God. We've gone haywire. <laughs> pray for them. Well, that's radical. This. Um, can be when you could even be abused. Uh, You don't manipulate them whenever you you have this kind of... It's just showing a a meekness and humbleness for them. It's intercession for their conversion, really, is really what that kind of prayer is. Ultimately, that's where you want. You want to see that even if you never ever hear about it, you never have any love from them, thing is, this is what you want. You remember Stephen, whenever he was, he had preached in um, to the Jews in Acts chapter 7, and he told them that they had resisted the Holy Spirit. Now Stephen became a martyr, and of course he looked into heaven and he saw the right hand of God. There's Jesus standing there, and the heavens opened up, and Son of Man there, and you look at the very last verse then falling on his knees as he's dying, he cried out with a loud voice. Everybody heard this. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. What's the sin? Well, they just killed him. A man of God who preached the Word of God. Having said this, he fell asleep. Who else said that? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. There is the example. Do we get it? Or do we just go on and say, well, that person offended me and I'm not going to deal with them? Well, you are wrong. I am wrong. We are wrong. Some people like to get 
get back at people. Romans 12.17 And we kind of read this earlier over in the uh, Old Testament. Romans 12.17 Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. There he says, you never pay back evil. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We can never pay back to them. No retaliation. And that's what's happening here in Luke as, as Jesus says this. In verse 29, whoever hits you on the cheek, <laughs> offer him the other also. Whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Wow. Are we supposed to be doormats? <laughs> I know. It's the first thing we think of. No. We're never told to be a doormat. And we are stand for righteousness' sake. And we are to use wisdom. Should a nation do this? No, it has to have its laws. It has to, to retaliate. Let's say if you want to use that word. If somebody's committed murder, they are ultimately they are to take that life also, as it says in Romans. Or anybody that's done anything against the law, then they you know so but we don't take it in our own hands. We we let the Lord deal with them, or we let the law deal with them. Uh, if somebody needs to be turned in, should we do that? Well, yeah, absolutely. That's why I say we use wisdom. We don't just roll over and say, hey, go ahead and kill me. I'm going to heaven anyway. (laughs) That's okay. If that happened, then all right. Get to be with the Lord. But, you know, this uh, deal with a slap here. Whoever hits you on the cheek, slap slap you on the cheek like that, it um, could be referring to one who was being excluded from the synagogue. And that's what they would do hand would go across the face. It's as humiliating as an act could be to somebody when they got slapped. Jesus got slapped, if you remember. And the point is is that one uh, should not seek revenge, but hey, remain exposed. Taking risk when you go out against the enemy. There was danger of missionary travel every time Paul went from city to city. And I think after the first, second, third time, fourth time this happened, he said, oh, okay, I get it. I'm going to go back home. And let's, let's, uh, let's reconsider this. <laughs> he just kept going on from city to city, preaching the Word. Uh, there was a risk of violence. And we get out on those roads at that time. A lot of violence happened on those roads. That's where all the criminals hung out because if you were traveling alone, they could just come out of the behind a tree, behind a rock, and boom, they take everything you have, take your life, whatever it is, beat you up. Of course, that's a situation that Paul ran into so many times. He was even left for dead. You know, those kind of things. But he didn't really retaliate, did he? He did retaliate with the Word of God, giving them the Gospel that they could be saved. (laughs) You think of the good Samaritan? He went way out of his way. Samaritans were the ones the Jews hated. Samaritans hated the Jews. The religious guys 
people who had the way of being able to help somebody out didn't do it. But the Samaritan, and boy, that had to convict him. Boy, that had to make him really mad when Jesus says, this guy was a Samaritan. He's the one that helped this Jew out. In face of such hostility, the call, the sake of the call is to keep loving your enemy even when you can't. Even when it's impossible. He says, love them. You say, are you going to leave us there? How can we do it? We move on. We'll see if we get to that. Verse 31. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. You guys ever heard that one before? What's that called? The golden rule. When I grew up in Sunday school, I think we had one of those posters and everybody knew the golden golden rule. To treat others as you would want them to be treated. And so this verse 31, number 2, we say, love as you want to be loved. This is a death blow to selfishness. Treat others as you'd want to be treated. You treat them in a really hospitable way. But they don't deserve it. (laughs) They didn't say hi to me. This golden rule, this is not the way of the world. I, I don't think you hear this golden rule being bannered out in the secular realm, do you? You say, well, wait a minute, there's a principle there that I've heard. And you have. I know that you heard a sort of a universal law, you know, especially in religions, you know, but it's quite different, although it sounds like it's the same thing. What is that? What do you mean? You hear it all the time. Uh, Hillel, he was a rabbi, Jewish rabbi, quite the teacher he was. And he wrote this, What is hateful to yourself, do not to someone else. You like that? It's good. It's alright. Matter of fact, you could put that on Facebook. You'd probably get a hundred likes. People agree with that. It's alright. That's Hillel, a Jew, and and he was a, a very astute teacher. That ice left. Okay. Um, there was the book of Tobit, which uh, apocrypha says, "What you yourself hate, to no man do. Whatever you hate, don't do it to any man." Right? Are you seeing a negative here? That's really what's happening here. You know, don't do something that you wouldn't want something. It's negative. It's all negative. Confucius taught, what you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. Do you see the negative? Do not. A Greek king, Nicocles, said, do not do to others the things which make you angry when you experience them at the hands of others. Do not do that the other things that and it comes back to you. The Greek philosopher Epictetus said, What you avoid suffering yourself, do not inflict on others. The Stoics, the philosophers, said this, What you do not want to be done to you, do not do to anyone else. Now would we agree with that? All of those statements are good, 
they're not the best. And they're not what Jesus used here. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. It's positive. Look in Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. I'm going to go on. Did you see that last line? We are to regard others even more important than us. That's that's difficult. This is a high calling, folks. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interests of others. And then he says, have this attitude, and that's what we've been talking about, right? The attitudes, the actions will follow then. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then that's the ultimate example. Christ went to the cross to the point of death. And that's the example that we look at. And He says, you humble yourselves before people and you treat them better than you'd even treat yourself. That's really different than Confucius and some of these Greek philosophers. Christian love is the positive rule. It could say, hey, you know, you're harming me but I'm not going to give you back what you're giving me. But it goes on with this. I'm going to love you in the way that I would like you to love me. It's not even saying that, but it's at least having that attitude. It's not normal. It's kind of supernatural. You know, if an unbeliever really sees that, they may not notice it at first, but that's a continual pattern unless they're just absolutely blinded, they're going to see something different in you. They may not like it because they feel bad about it. So they get more mad at you because they feel bad because they can't do what you're doing. This is really all about evangelistic loving because it's really getting them to the point of who Christ is. Uh, We need to be sensitive to the needs, feelings, concerns, We need to listen. We need to serve. Those are really tangible concerns for unbelievers, isn't it? Then we can even pray for them. They see the evidence of this supernatural love. It's not natural. If they can see that, it could make an impact on them. Maybe not. But it makes them think, doesn't it? What's the third one we have here? Starting in verse 32 of Luke 6. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And a third one. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. Now he gets into some real actions here. Love just exceeds the whole standard of the world. I've never heard this kind of thing. 
if we're not Christians, we have not heard this. This is it just sounds just stupid. You're gonna let them take advantage of you. This is hard. This is hard stuff. Verse 32, he speaks about loving. Jesus repeats his examples here. Well, all he's doing is, okay, let me let me give you another angle here. He's saying the same thing. He's already said. If we do, uh, uh, if if we love them, you know, and he says, if we love only those who give us love, then what's so great about that kind of love? Uh, sinners do it. Big deal. If we do good, if we do good only to those who do good to us, what is so special about that? It's kind of like the love that sinners give. And then if we lend money only to those who will respond in a kind way and in the same way, what's so honorable about that? You expect them to give it back? and Disciples are not to live and love like sinners. The very love that believers have is just so different. So different. Being transformed. It's, it, we're totally contrasted to sinners, aren't we? So Jesus is saying, this is our duty. Do you love Jesus? He says, obey my commands. It's our duty as Christians to love those who do not love us because that's what Jesus did. Whenever He died on the cross, what were we? Enemies. And sinners who hated God. So if Christ did it for us, He's expecting us to do the same thing. Show practical kindness. Sometimes we don't do so good at that. I say we. All Christians are not so good at that. But they do have the ability to do this. A lot of times you do see it happen. That's why when we showed that video earlier that started with... uh, dealing with the missionaries, they did the ultimate. They gave their lives. And they had even written notes that they had been praying for these Alka Indians. And not only that, but they, one of them had, uh, and I think all of them knew what, what could happen to them. They even said, I am willing to die for them. That's what this is about. Are we willing to die just to self? We're not being told to go out into the jungles and be ready to be killed physically, but we're being told to die to self and everything that stands for that old self. Well, the question that's going to pop up into our minds, how can I do this? I I get it. I agree with it. Jesus is really very kindly telling us exactly how to do this. And of course we saw that the deal with uh, the loving and the doing and all that serving and such. And it, it's going to boil down to what you see in the last couple of verses where, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, but at the, uh, in verse 35 he, he says that your reward will be great. Here's what's going to happen. If you do this, here is who you are. This is what you are about. Your reward will be great. And there are rewards in heaven where people uh, will be rewarded 
heavily than maybe even others. You know, there is the judgment seat of Christ. We're all saved. We all get to be in heaven and that that who trusted in Christ. But there will be some who who will not be rewarded highly. They get the crowns and they cast them. But don't you want to finish good? Don't you want to be rewarded highly? I mean, people go to work to be rewarded. You don't go to work just to work. I love to go work. You go there because you know at the end of the month or the whenever you get paid, two weeks, one week, you're going to get the pay. If you don't get it, then you're not going to work there, are you? There's a reward. Yes, it's obvious. And you should. There is. We're saved by grace, but then yet at the same time, our works count here. These things are, are important. A lot of times we love either because we've been loved by the one we are loving or we love in hopes that they will bring back and evoke a kind of, the same kind of response back to you. And sometimes, you know, you extend love and you know you're never going to get it back. So we should stop loving then, right? No. Can't. Don't have no option. We have to continue to love them. How do you love in that circumstance? How do you love what somebody is not going to give back to that? If you know that God is going to give you what you need, can you keep doing what He says to do and then knowing in return you will get back what you need? You're called to give because God is going to give you what you need. There is the ultimate reward and it's in glory. Jesus summarizes here, love your enemies do good to them, lend to them, not expecting anything back. When we give, it should not be with strings attached, right? The relationship for the child of God is to love God, to serve mankind. How is it possible? How can I love that person that I love to hate? It's found in 35. We said that. We do outward acts of love. And is it a you don't feel like it, let's say. Is it hypocrisy? No. Not at all. It's an honest attitude that says, I don't feel like loving, but I know what's right, and I'm going to do what is right. I'm going to be obedient to the Lord. He's commanded me, and I'm going to do that. Believe me, those feelings will come after that. Because it's amazing how the reward starts reversing your thoughts. But that, that attitude, if you get the attitude, take action. Last one here is really what we're all shooting for. Your reward will be great, right at the end of verse 35, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He Himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. If He is that way, has He given us those attributes? Those are communicable attributes. Communicable attributes are attributes of God like love, mercy, grace. Those kind of things he, he are His, but He gives to us that so we in return can do that. Is He a joyful God? Yes, He's a God of joy. Does He give us joy? Yes. It's fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? He's a God of peace. Are we at peace? Well, if you're a Christian, you are. Those things are fruit 
There are communicable attributes that are given to us. There are non-communicable attributes also that God is, and Him being the most high and powerful and all the, you know, the high and lofty things of God. Those things are incommunicable. Uh, they are not transferred to us. Also, He's holy, and He says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Guess what? His holiness is given to us. That's called sanctification. That's called right now. We are being sanctified. As we read this word today, did you know you're being sanctified? You're taking another little bitty step in your Christian walk. You're being set apart from those worldly thoughts. Or if you already knew this, which you you already do, I'm not speaking to people go, oh wow, I never knew Jesus said those things. You know it full well. But you're saying, you know what, I'd like to commit to that even more. You know, I don't know how far I can go with this, but in the power of God, I want to go there. Wherever, wherever He takes me. Wherever He leads, I'll go. Sons of the Most High. This is the theological dimension of uh, promise here to the exhortation. Your reward will be great. You will be sons of the Most High. If you're Christians, you already are sons of the Most High. You're children of God, right? The Most High God, El, uh, Old, Old Testament, El Elyon. You will see that name given to God there, El Elyon, and uh, that is the Most High God. We are given the ability right now to reflect the very image of God to the world. We're given that ability to reflect the Most High God. It's what we are. He says you are... Jesus is the light of the world, but He called us lights of the world because it's ref, you know it reflects off of us. Christ living in us, the Holy Spirit living in us, and it just comes out of us. People see that. We reflect the God of the universe right here in this world. We're the best He's got. When I say we're, we're, we're talking about the body of Christ all over the world, we're the best He's got to reflect who He is. Scary. Wow, yeah, that's kind of scary, isn't it? That's how He reflects Himself today. He uses the church. That's what He's chosen to do. Church sometimes look really weak. Church sometimes look really sinful. Has for 2,000 years. More than that. Oh, God's people. But you know what? When we reflect the Father's values, regardless of how people respond, we just keep reflecting that. God will reward our love. If you don't feel like you've been rewarded now, there is the ultimate reward that we get to be with Him. And right now, we are to imitate the Father. To love is to have mercy. To love is to have patience on people. That's the Father, right? Like Father, like Son. Like child. Moral likeness, somebody has said, proves parentage. Who's your parent? Father in heaven. To love is to have mercy. To love is to have righteousness. It's to have Jesus teaching in your life. As we boil this down, the last little summary, the question we want to ask ourselves is do we see 
what Jesus is really saying. Are, we've heard these beautiful words. Do we really see that He is saying, this is not just God who does this. This is what I expect and demand and command of you. The way that you're able to love the unloving is not because you hope they will change and one day they'll be able to love you back the way that you love them and give back to you what you've given to them. It's not that, but it's because God in Christ through the Gospel, the good news, has already given you a gift. It's called the gift of grace. The gift that we did not deserve and do not deserve. And He says, okay, I'm giving this to you and here's what you got to do with it. And if you don't do it, and if you don't do the things that I tell you to do, you know what? What is he saying? You're, you're not a son of the Most High God. If you don't love them, you're not of God. Yeah. That could be the checking point, couldn't it? Yeah. He fills our soul with gratitude, with joy, thanksgiving that we're able to love. We have everything in us to do it. And if you don't have it, then you really have to say, am I really of you, God? We don't have that there. You're able to love those who will not give back to you. Let's pray. Father, what a great God You are. Your ways are so different than the natural man. As it was said in Scripture, Your ways are not our ways. Your thinking is totally different than ours. That's why we continue to stay in Your Word because we want our thinking to be reshaped. We want our attitudes to be reshaped. We want our actions to be reshaped and take You seriously rather than just playing around. We need to be true Christians. Showing it, reflecting it. And You've given us everything we need for life and godliness. You've given us the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit should be fruit hanging off of us so others could delight in who You are as we reflect You. Lord, as we walk out of here today, Thank You for such a precious day that we've had to be able once again to just get into Your Word. We haven't been persecuted for it whatsoever. As we walk out of here, we won't have things thrown at us, rocks thrown at us, missiles being thrown at the church. We can walk right out of here and represent the Kingdom of God and show that light. Help us to do that, Lord. Thank You for Your grace. In your Son's name, Amen.